I'm Christian Humes. And I'm John Paul Murphy. And you're listening to Watch World. And today we're going to be talking about the fourth movie. That's right. We are talking about the movie Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. John, a lot of people dislike this film, and we'll get to a number of those reasons why. I think there's really only a couple. Oh, okay. I have to say, so far now, this is my favorite movie. Of the four so far, this has been, I think, my favorite. I don't think it's necessarily the best as far as... I think Prisoner of Azkaban is a more, just maybe more well-put-together movie. And it's maybe a slightly better standalone film, but I, I like the pacing of this. I like how much happens. Yeah, something I, I think I really liked about this one is that uh, the the kids are a little bit older now. and I Oh, think, yeah. And also, I think they've started... The, the stories are a little more mature and like it's dealing with kind of the the sort of dynamic between Ron, Harry and Hermione and like as they're becoming adults and like having to deal with that. Absolutely. It it also, again, continues to feel unique as much as the films all follow a specific formula as all the books do. And there's a lot of things that are always familiar in the journey to Hogwarts in having a new teacher where there's some mystery surrounding in Voldemort being involved every year, each one does have its own feeling. And this movie feels very different from the last one again. Yeah, I think this is kind of almost did go back a little bit to the same visual style of the first two movies to a degree. I think there was, but it did have a much like, but it wasn't quite that. It, it, yeah, I think it the camera both. moves a lot more. I feel like you have a lot more camera movement in this, though, than the first yeah, two films. Yeah, it, it, I think it blends the two styles. There's like the Corone style, and then there's yeah. the, the Columbus style. I mean, it, part of it is that Corone has a very unique filming style. Yes. So that, that his definitely stands out a bit more, but he's sort of the exception, not the rule. Yeah. This is, I would say this movie sort of sets the tone the rest of them are gonna feel more like this film going yeah forward. definitely a lot of not only did like like we said the characters got older and i think that the dynamic between them got more mature but also the stakes got raised in this one yeah so john the the title of this one because the title of all of them so far have maybe told you a little bit about what the story was going to be the title of this one what did you think maybe was happening because again you're you're new to the harry Potter franchise uh, I thought at first what this the Goblet of Fire was going because generally it's been or maybe I'm just kind of spitballing, but the Sorcerer's Stone and the Chamber of Secrets usually were the end game object that yeah. they were trying to find, and then I guess Prisoner of Azkaban kind of it's you know serious black, so it's kind of set around him. This one I thought the Goblet was going to be what the goal was at the end, but instead this is kind of what the inciting incident is the Goblet. Right, exactly. So that was an interesting like kind of change of pace. Yeah. Let's get to the start of the movie. And this one starts out very different than the others. It does not start out at Privet Drive. No, it starts off in a horror movie. Yes, it does. Okay, so at the beginning of this, it zooms in on a couple of skulls and a snake comes out. Snake very similar to the way the basilisk emerged from the Chamber of Secrets. And it looks and like the original we've... one from the, you know, Sorcerer's Stone. When he goes to the zoo? Um, yeah, I guess it's I still have this somewhere. running thing that like that original one was Voldemort. Yeah. That he interacted with. <laughs> yeah. This is not the same snake as that one. Right. Uh, the snake is I'm just letting you know, this snake is considerably bigger. Okay, fine. Than that than that snake. Uh, just letting you be aware. 
Well, I know he has his own, like, his pet snake, right? Voldemort? Yeah. Well, we that's introduced right now, so okay, that's what we're getting like, to. He never takes a snake form, does he? No, not that we're aware. I'd like to think that he was in snake form for years. And that yeah. was once he realized that Harry uh, Potter was ready, he knew it was time. Yeah, that's certainly a theory. You may find more about that as we go on. I'm not really going to comment, okay. John, for okay. you, other than the fact that it's wrong. Okay. The intro, I thought, was very cinematic. It, it felt very unique. It was There was a great rendition of the main Harry Potter theme that they did just for this film. They did like a nice little you know, mix of it for this movie. It was a very dark mix right there at the beginning. Yeah. We see an old man look out. He's sort of like the groundskeeper. Yeah. And he looks out to this sort of dilapidated mansion and there's a light on he's like oh you kids damn kids dude just fucking leave it what you are asking for trouble well i mean it's his job you know he's the groundskeeper who who's checking in on him um nobody but like he's in like the middle of nowhere england right so fucking leave it dude (laughs) fucking leave it like this poor old man he was just he was in his kitchen he had a big old bread basket he should have just left it he was having a nice night I felt bad for this man. He should have just stayed at home, had a cup of tea, enjoyed some bread. Instead, he heads up to the mansion. He sees that nasty little creep, Wormtail. Oh, so hot. Doctor Who Peter is Pettigrew, there. so hot. Ugh. And evil Doctor uh, he, Who's at, there. He at, least has, he at least has his clothes back. Yeah. I'm a huge David Tennant fan, so uh, I was very excited. I was a little bit shocked to see him in this. Because like, I re- yeah. you know, recognized him, obviously, before in things. I don't really, like, I've never really watched Doctor Who, but... No, he was Doctor Who and other things. I know he came over to America now and doing a lot of stuff here. But yeah, uh, he's a he's a fun actor. I think I think he's a really fun actor. But it's fun to see him like a little bit part. Yes, it's it's funny you say a bit part because it's technic technically his character is a huge role. He just has very he says yeah, very yeah technically little. he is the main villain. <laughs> yeah. We come to realize, but he yeah. as far as like David Tennant screen time, it's very Mission Impossible three where the actors playing one character playing the character that he's supposed to be correct which i have some thoughts on well we can get to that when we get to that yeah we'll we'll get to that we then see our very first unforgivable curse what did you think about that reveal john because this was one of my favorite things from the movies and the books the curses well this one in particular this is the death curse right yeah um i mean like i guess it's like the way it's described is that a curse is essentially a like it's an attack an attack well, it's spell. A spell. No, this isn't what I'm talking about. It's called Avada Kedavra. Okay. Isn't that fucking awesome? Yeah, yeah. It's not that intimidating, but maybe it's not about it being intimidating. It's just really cool. Like in this in this world, she spent three books now coming up with all these ridiculous names and insane things, and she doesn't. She rarely pulls like things from what us Muggles would call magic. And now for like the Killing Curse, what's the most powerful curse there is? She pulls. What generic muggles use as like the standard spell word, abracadabra, and she makes it avada kedavra. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. Um, she, you immediately recognize it and remember it. She made it very easy for people. Yeah, and it's used twice in this movie. Mm-hmm. So. I like to think that the reason that humans are aware of that phrase is because they maybe would have remembered the phrase during like some sort of human wizarding war at some point in the past. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of phrases like that that have, you know, changed over history and been, like, adopted into our language. Yeah. You know, I mean, we we adopt a lot of French words into our language, even though we don't speak French. So right. So, kind of like that. Right. That makes uh, sense. But like you, like you said in the opening, though, Harry's not at the Dursleys. 
Right. So this all ends, and it cuts to Harry sleeping. He's having a nightmare, and he is at Ron's house. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. So does Harry not go home to the Dursleys this time around? He does, but now he has left early to go to the... The Weasleys. Well, and and so that they could go to the Quidditch games, which is like the Wizarding World's World Cup of Quidditch. Yes. But before that, we meet the Diggories, too. Right. Um, which I thought I, I really was happy though to see Harry not get tortured at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, I think I think three times is is I'm good with opening yeah. with the Dursleys and how like shitty they are. I don't think I need any more of them. Well, I feel like we need a little bit more resolution with them. Yeah, but if it's like if it's not gonna it can't get be resolved, the same thing. then Yeah, it can't be the same thing again. Yeah. I think I think it's yeah. good that they, they decided to switch it up this time. And Harry hasn't grown enough yet for it not to be the same story still. Yes. So it, it was it was a good a good call on their part to do it. I think this if he way. did, he would have murdered them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he goes, he meets Hermione's there too, joins up with them. Though she's not yeah. she does she sleep over there too? No, she does. Yeah. She's Okay, they're all she's there. I think she wakes him up from his nightmare. Yeah, she yeah, cuz she's the one that's like wake up you guys, like you're going to be late, you know. Gonna... So they they meet the diggeries and then they go and we see our first new bit of magic, fun magic. The beginning of these movies are always where they're like, okay, we're going to have a lot of fun with magic and make it special again. We're going to take like 20 minutes to show you like a couple things and how magic is fun and it's not always this terrible scary thing. Yeah. Port keys. So, yeah, another it's almost amazing. like they needed to set something up here for the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I really like a smart enough kid now, and you're reading these books, because the idea is that you would read the books when you're the same age as these kids. You might be able to be like, oh, I should pay attention to the, sort of the clues they're going to set up for later yeah. in the film. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, this is a new thing. I probably need to know this. Uh, Porky's a really cool idea, especially because it's this place where they're going isn't maybe close by so it's not going to be as easy to get to with flu powder it's like they need to take like a warp gate there it's like their own little stargate yeah it's a it's a yeah it's like a teleporter basically but not in yeah. a it's like a yeah like you said a long distance teleporter versus a short chimney to chimney teleporter. exactly yep yeah that makes sense um before we get to the quidditch man like what so obviously i think at the, the release of this movie robert pattinson who plays cedric diggory wasn't he wasn't cast in the twilight series yet this is his first i think one of his first big yeah roles. it was like three years before it yeah so i don't know what overall what did you think of this character in this role i mean it's hard for me not to see him as what i think of robert pattinson these days not that i think of it him in a any bad way but it's hard to not see that twilight connection and he has a very like specific look to him he has a very specific like bone structure and face and that being said i really like the character of cedric diggory it's great to see such an important character given to a hufflepuff house a non-gryffindor house yes i I did like that i will say though i felt that what they i know what they were going with with this character was that like he's like a very popular guy in school and he's just kind of this like nice dude yeah but he's just like an all-around good guy yeah he works hard i think it was a mixture of like Maybe the writing and Pattinson's performance. I just didn't really like. There was nothing to him, though. <laughs> and also, they, yeah, they I didn't think, give him anything. I think that's part of him, though. I mean, if you're a Hufflepuff, you're less likely to be sort of a boastful or egotist. You might not have as big of a personality because you're going to be a lot more modest. 
Yeah, I just I just think even like he wasn't given much screen time. And even in the screen time, it's like there just wasn't much to work with. As far yeah, as like... I mean, again, I, this is something that just always you're going to come back to with these movies. There is so much story in these books. It's hard to fit it in in a single film. Yeah. And then but. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think it's just when you have a movie with that has both Cedric Diggory and another character, which we'll meet here in a second, Victor Crumb. It's like they're both these kind of like good looking, quiet dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For like maybe on the different ends of the spectrum. But like it's like you can just have one, you know, I don't think I need right. two. <laughs> right. So. Well, yeah, I, I think Cedric did a great job, though. That being said, before they get to the Quidditch match, we get to see another great piece of magic. And the Quidditch match thing is so cool because it's like a big tailgating party. Everyone's setting up their tents. Then yeah. they go inside the tent. And the tent's fucking huge. Yeah. They're using magic to like like cheat real estate here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, it was awesome in there. It's like, why doesn't like the Weasley house do that? Like, why isn't like know, a shack it, and then it's just like this giant like thing on the inside? It's once again similar to magic we'll see later. When we see inside Barty Crouch Jr.'s chest at the end, it's much, much, much bigger on the inside. No, I, I get that. It's just sometimes it's like it's a it's some people choose to do it like because it's the Weasley's tent, right? Yeah. So you would think that like if he's OK using like getting out, like he probably had to pay like a smaller fee for that tent spot, you know, because it's not a big. No, but I, I think every I think almost everyone's tent is like this. I think that's what a magic tent is, is the idea. But if I was the organizer of the event. I could be charging uh-huh. people a lot more knowing that they have much bigger tents. Because here's the problem, John. You're looking at, at this like a muggle in a wizarding world, <laughs> not like a wizard in a wizarding world. They don't give a shit about this. That's not how it works here. Oh, clearly they do. They have a bank full of cold coins. It's They care about money. Right. But you're, again, you're looking at this as a muggle. You think what Ron, what the Weasleys have is special. It's not. Everyone has that. So they just have a regular tent. So it has no more value. It, you think it has extra value because you think about a tent as this shitty little thing that only takes up the space that the tent t- takes no, up. I'm no one there that thinks about it that way. Like, right now they're able to pack a lot of people on a smaller space because of magic. Correct? So if I'm the organizers of that, if I could be making a much more on the property value of the land. But you don't know what they're charging is my point. I don't know. But you don't know either. Right. You're but I'm also not the one claiming that they should be upselling them. <laughs> I'm thinking this You're... as a Slytherin, okay? Uh, this is the strangest argument that you've tried to prepare. I can't, I can't get behind this world just like relying on whimsical fancy for their economy, okay? It's magic. There needs to be some semblance of a sturdy, robust economic system here. <laughs> there has Why? to be a profit motive. <laughs> Anyways, let's just get to them shitting on the Irish, okay? Okay, so they go, they run into the Malfoys. The Malfoys are still completely despicable scum. I fucking hate them. Yeah. Uh, Malfoy Sr. is worse than I like. I like the, the his senior-junior dynamic, though. Yeah. It's kind of like, although they are even though they people, don't share the Even though they don't share the same name. No, but it's similar in that. Like, yeah. But yeah, like Draco and Lucius. It's like, I like their, you know, Draco's such a little, like, you know, doormat to his father and and the more you see his father you almost feel bad for him for draco because you're almost like oh of course this is who you are look at your father yeah it's he's just a spoiled little brat but also that's like clearly someone who gets the cane as you mentioned in an earlier episode (laughs) yeah well he didn't get enough cane (laughs) uh yeah so 
Harry got the cane from his dad. <laughs> I thought the stadium was pretty cool. Stadium's very cool. It's kind of like hole in the ground type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You like the fireworks, the magic fireworks with the dancing uh, leprechaun yeah, and I don't, stuff? Again, like I said, it's this is JK Rowling has a thing against the Irish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Between Seamus always trying to get a drink. And then it's like, oh, yeah, of course, leprechaun is their symbol dancing. And everyone's just all the Irish are just so wild. You're just like, come on. So then Victor Crumb's team comes in. What do you think about these guys? Uh, the Romanians. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. I kind of wanted to see a little bit of the game itself. Yeah. Unfor- like, I know they just didn't have time to it. But, like, it would have been interesting to see a non-Harry Potter, like, focus. Like, what does, like, a more maybe adult, like, Quidditch game look like? Yeah. And what's curious about that is, though, Victor Crumb is, like, a star of this. And he's still a student like Harry is. He's still a, a kid. Oh, he's clearly held back. or he's like a last year student (laughs) he's like a 23 year old like junior in high school well no so he's allowed to enter into the goblet of fire so he's like a final year student if not second to final year student yeah but he's much older than that too (laughs) that being said you know this came up online john that Durmstrang is a Scandinavian school. Yes. But Victor Crumb is from Bulgaria. Yes, but I and remember you originally said team. that Durmstrang was in Russia. Yeah, but they're they're it's they're filled with Russian people. Clearly they've infiltrated. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's what that's where I was going with that. I'll, yeah. We'll get to, we'll get to talking about the d- two different schools, but like in a second here, but yeah. I I I thought it was a little weird that the those the setup of those two schools. Quidditch match pretty cool. Then suddenly there's a terrorist attack. <laughs> yeah, suddenly the uh, a bunch of uh, mega hats show up and yeah. So what? Seriously, how was this for you? Because this is the first time. I mean, this is really the first major full scale sort of battle we've seen in Harry Potter. Everything has has sort of been relegated to the children, and there hasn't been anything out in the open like this. There hasn't been a attack like this for in some time. Basically, at least in the, right. in the or eyes in of any of the stories, yeah. we haven't seen anything like this yet. Yeah, so I thought this was—I thought the sequence itself was a little bit almost like it—it it was a little bit rushed in terms of like everyone's having a good time in the tent, and then it's like, oh no, like there's people attacking, and like the pointy hat people are just like, and it's kind of cutting between a bunch of things, and then like Harry gets a lot separated from Ron and Hermione, and then like he just like falls on the ground, and you'd think he'd just get incinerated by the fire. But he just kind of then wakes up like fine. <laughs> like I, I thought like the attack itself was a little clumsy, but I, I, I got the 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 point of it as far as what the the this is like a new phase of like the the world we're entering with yeah. the Death Eaters. Which is- Death Eaters are a great name. Yes, great name. They launched this crazy symbol into the air. Which so Harry's parents and everyone went through a sort of war. Yes. They lived through a sort of civil war. Uh, it was almost supposed to be like their own magical World War II, their own magical sort of holocaust, because Voldemort was very much like, I want to wipe out the muggles and the non-magical folk. And he's very much like a pure blood, you know, Slytherin type, which is why the Slytherins don't like mudbloods. They don't like muggles. They don't like squibs. Yes. So it makes sense. They're called the Death Eaters, and they have these... There's always some kind of iconography with these groups, you know? Yeah, and this one's like the snake in the skull. Yeah, so you look to like the KKK, you look to the Nazis. There's always, they have some sort of logo, some sort of symbol always. So with this, it's a skull with a snake coming out of it, with the snake being obviously. Yeah, so it was a little interesting how they, 
it was like, I guess, a bunch of Death Eaters came in and just destroyed a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. But then David Tennant stays behind to to launch the symbol. Right. And, and then, you know, Harry sees him and only sees a silhouette of him, doesn't really get a good look, but then tries to chase him, but then runs into Ron and Hermione again. Like, I didn't also get the sense, did anyone else die in this? <laughs> this felt more like, let's just scare everyone and just burn their magical tents down. Sort of the, the whole point of this was partially to kind of let the world know that they were back. Yeah. I just didn't get, like, maybe just they just didn't, they couldn't show it because it's still a movie for kids. But, you know, you would think you would see some, like, bodies lying on the ground somewhere using the whatever Victor Cadabra thing. <laughs> yeah, they were basically there just to scare everyone. That was, like, the point. Keep in mind. Yeah. The Death Eaters have sort of disappeared. They've gone underground. So this was sort of like a, hey, we're back. We're letting the world know, as opposed to a targeted attack, which comes later. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's the overall understanding that I got, was that they were more just like, it was literally a terrorist attack, and that they were terrorizing the people that, you know, went there to go see the... They didn't really necessarily want to kill anyone yet, per se. It's also just typical villain MO, right? Like, a villain has to explain to you, they want to tell you before they do the thing they do, what they're doing. And so this is them being like, hey, we're coming back to fuck your shit up before they just come back and fuck your shit up. Yeah. I mean, and that's what villains do. That's what ends up doing Moody in. It's like, it's it's what ends up doing so many villains in is they have to uh, monologue. <laughs> Monologues are most villains' greatest weak points. Yeah. It's it's the James Bond effect. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's the Mark of the Death Eaters. Then uh, we meet uh, English J.J. Jameson comes by. Barty. Yeah. So he runs in. Barty Crouch Senior runs in. He grabs Harry. He think he like starts yelling at Harry and blaming this on Harry when he sees the sign of the Death yeah, Eaters. Yeah, it's like these like fourteen um, year old children. Totally irrational. <laughs> yeah. How dare Completely you? Completely unreasonable. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's an insane assertion. That being said, everyone was like, "Dude, chill the fuck out." Harry doesn't even know what a Death Eater is. Like, what do you just calm down? Yeah. Um. So then, of course, uh, they're like, "All right, you kids need to go back to school." And then let's everybody move on and let's go to the Hogwarts train. Uh, yeah, we get a kind of a return to movie one, Sorcerer's Stone, with uh-huh. the, the lady in the candy cart coming by. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there's an interesting scene there because Ron wants to buy candy and he realizes he not enough money for everything he wants. So he's like, oh, I'll just get this. And Harry's like, oh, I'll get it. Like, I don't care. But he's just like, no, I'm just going to have this. I was curious because the first time Harry's like, I'll buy the whole fucking thing. No problem. And, and then like, Ron's like, yeah. And now Ron's like, no, I don't want you to do anything for me. Yes. This Okay. Yeah, so the the Ron plot line throughout this whole movie, he is very much like a little bitch in this movie, <laughs> but it's understandable. I think he is very insecure in this movie. And I think for some reason over between the events of the last movie and this one, he's now seeing Harry out of more out of jealousy than as a friend. Well, I th- so I'd say that's kind of true. What I think also you're missing here is the journey Ron has had always is he doesn't have a great sense of individualism. And as the stories have gone on, he's sort of gained little bits and pieces of it. But now they're at their sort of most awkward and vulnerable state in this film. They're, you know, like 14 years old. They definitely like are appearing older. They're starting to have weird feelings. Raging hormones. Raging hormones. And that being said, he was just sort of like very inappropriately made fun of by Draco Malfoy for being poor in front of his whole family 
And then his, Draco's dad like stepped in and just like doubled down on it. So he was kind of feeling bad about that. So when he couldn't afford it and Harry was like, oh, like who cares if you can't afford it? Like I'll just buy it for you. As much as that's nice of Harry, it's not really acknowledging why Ron's upset. No, it, you know, it, I get it. It's like Harry isn't listening to Ron through most of this movie. And right, like Harry just sees a problem and says, "Oh, I can fix that for you with and all instead, my coin." <laughs> exactly. It's he's not he's not empowering Ron to do anything, and nor is he just being like, "Oh, like that sucks." Like, can I help? Like, do you want any help? Or like, yeah, instead, I've had this he, dynamic he in like a in a yeah. relationship before where it's like I feel like, oh, I can just if I just buy you something, it's gonna be right. fine, right? You're gonna be not be mad at me, and then it's like, no, it's not about that. It's right. not about just buying me something. <laughs> So it's just it's just interesting um, to see Ron at such a low point, and it's kind of sad because he's such a good kid, right? Like no, he it's is good. actually what I liked about it, though because I think it, what Ron kind of being in this rut, although was annoying in a sense, it did help drive more of a like a conflict between the three of them. Yes, and it just it made it much more interesting to watch their 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 scenes together. Yeah, particularly when we get to the dance stuff like that. That was, I think, the best part of the movie for me. Oh, yeah. I, especially, I mean, with you and me having covered Wishbone, this movie has so many great, awkward growing up moments and things that are sort of in the television show Wishbone, like dealing with dances and emotions and all these sort of awkward moments at this time of your life. Uh, I had a lot of things in this film that I thought they, they really nailed about the school experience for this age of their journey yeah, just the awkwardness of being like you're suddenly thrust into this new new world of hormones and like yeah. feelings and social dynamics and stuff like that so yeah so I, I thought that was a it's a good thing you point that out on the train because that's like the first sign of ron and, and harry's kind of separation here yeah um, so now we get to Hogwarts and what, you know, what's really fun. Every time we get to Hogwarts for the first time, they show us a different part of the opening ceremony for the year because every year it's different. Like you, we only see the sorting hat ceremony for their year. We never see it for anyone else's. No, but they always go like now that we've been sorted. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so we get to see like more of the other parts of what it's like being a person there and it's like oh this is a thing that happens every x years it's like the olympics you know it's like every four years we have the school olympics yeah sort the of tri-wizarding cup yes and when that happens so... they invite the other schools in and this also is very reminiscent of when you know you're in school i don't know if your schools did anything like this but either if it's like a sporting event or sometimes there were like cross cross school like things it was like weird to see all these like people you don't know kind of come in. I, I don't remember. I think by the time you get to high school, there's already kind of like a built in. Yeah, by know, high school there is. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like in middle school if there's ever or even like I think elementary school there was something like that. I remember for elementary school. I don't remember for anything else. Junior high, I feel like there was. It, junior high is basically high school, but everyone's even right. weirder. Junior high is, is pre-high school. Yeah, so junior high is the is actually worst high school. I think I think if I went to a private school, there would be probably something like this going on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but so okay, so one school arrives on Pegasus flying a carriage, mm -hmm. and that's the female school, right? The French school, the women. Okay, I feel like to, I don't the I really, female school, the female school. I really didn't like believe that they could all fit in that one carriage. 
Yeah, but you also don't think that, like, nine people could fit in that tent. So the carriage is magic, too? Okay, I'm just... Everything is... It's a flying carriage. Yes. It's all magic, not, Why don't you make it a larger carriage? It just it looked a little small to me. Because that's not inconspicuous. Okay. And then all the, the male school <laughs> comes in on the boat. The male school. <laughs> yeah. The uh, men. Dur- wait, so what's, what's the French school called? Um, Fuck. I know, because I got Dermastang as the... Dermstrang. Dermstrang, whatever. Dermastang. <laughs> Dermastang. <laughs> Bobaton. Bobaton. So the French school Bobaton comes in. Which is a great Star Wars character name. Yeah. It, the French school is very interesting. What do you think about their introduction? At first, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Okay. Because it's like, they don't also explain that this is an all-girls school, and then Dermstrang's an all-boys school, which I think uh-huh. is just, a, that's a weird thing. I don't know. Why? I think if it, if it's like if if Hogwarts is a co-ed, then wouldn't the other ones be co-ed? No, I think maybe that's part of the point is that these are like private, specialized institutions. That's why the Bobatons, it's almost like a uh, finishing school. You know, that's why all of the women were dressed very properly and they all sort of danced and walked in a very specific way. You know what I mean? And the Durmstrangs were all like very stereotypically like men and they were yeah. strong. And they're and- big like dick sticks. Yeah, like Pounding I them. mean that that's sort of the idea. It's like if you want this like stereotypical male or like like you want this stereotypical woman to be very like finished and I fine. See. So they're kind of old, they're very old school. Yes. Like the old school private, like military academy versus like the these, ladies academy. Exactly. These yeah. are private institutions is basically what yeah. you're seeing here. And Hogwarts is like the messy public school where the anyone fucking gets it. <laughs> um but yeah, when they, when Bobaton school came in, they did the kind of like like springtime dance thing, and then all the girls make this like uh, thing. Yeah, it was, it was just like, what's happening? <laughs> and then Ron and, and Harry are just like, whoa! It's basically I'm... like a frat house and a sorority. Yes, right. How yes. did you like the giant woman for Harry? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I think I liked the effect, and then I liked the scenes with her and Hagrid together because then it was like. You know, for the first time, it's like, oh, um, Robbie Coltrane isn't, like, having to stand on boxes. <laughs> yeah, Madame Maxine is very tall. She makes Hagrid look short. And then the scenes where she will, like, kind of wander around in the background, I think, were always funny. Like, later when they're in that kind of tent at the, the before the first task thing, it's yeah. like they all come in and then she just kind of comes in behind everybody and just is kind of, like, lumbering in the background. <laughs> And that was great. Very oh Cruella DeVille. The Bobatons come in and they sort of flutter and dance and prance and skip through the halls as they enter the Hogwarts common room. And then the Durmstrangs come in uh, and they have this very foreboding man as their leader. He's like the anti-Dumbledore. Yes, he is the like. Oh, but before that, right before that, there's a there's a I don't there's an ass shot basically of Harry and and. At Ron looking at that the main uh, Bobaton girl's like butt as she walks by. Yeah, floor. <laughs> yeah, so just, that was like a little bit like, all right, that's a little. Come on, tone it down, movie. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely you know they're feeling the wands. Up. Let's just say. Yeah, well, they're they're definitely playing up like, hey, these kids are like interested in girls for the first time. Yeah, which will factor in for Hermione's dynamic. Right. Um. Okay. So Durm Durmstrang, the the head guy. He had Igor. villain written all over it for me. Igor Karkarov. Igor. Yeah. 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 I thought he was going to be the villain. Yeah, that would have been a great call. 
because then there's a call? scene kind of not soon after this where he kind of sneaks into the hall. Do you remember that? Yeah. And like yeah. that's where like I thought they were. That's the sort of misdirect they set up here. Yeah. No, they, they set up a really good misdirect. Uh, Victor Crumb is there, which is interesting. So we had just met him. Uh, and then we meet Bartimus Crouch, or should I say Mad-Eye Moody. My favorite character in the whole movie. I fucking love Mad-Eye Moody. He was the best teacher ever. It's a uh, okay, shame so, it wasn't actually Mad-Eye Moody the see, whole Okay, time. so that's my, that's my I, I love Brendan Gleeson's performance in this movie as Mad-Eye Moody, but I am so disappointed that like, the whole time it's not actually the character of Mad-Eye Moody. <sighs> I know. And so it makes it kind of like, what what's an, what bothers me about it is that it's like I felt a little bit that there was a relationship developing between him and Harry, like some right. some sort of like, and that's like not it's all gone. Like I know, and it's even just though kind of, like yeah. Mad I will be around now, it's not. It's, it's like same. all that out. It's out the window. Yeah, it's almost like the whole movie was a waste for his character yeah. in that way. Um, I I would have liked at least maybe the first couple scenes. It it's the real one. Yeah, and then at some point he gets switched. Sure. Yeah, so at I least there's like that. some sense, like for, for the for the dark, you know, the dark arts class. I would love for that have to have been the real one. Yeah, I, just it wouldn't have been though. Is the thing. <laughs> you really, th- you really think the real one would have been teaching them curses? Yeah, the real one would not teach them. I think he would. Free- he-, he wouldn't use them. An example. <laughs> okay. But, and we'll get to that. So the cups, uh, they reveal the cup. They give out the rules. They state no one under the age of 17 will be able to do it this year. Everyone flips a shit. Then everyone go about their day, right? Then we go to the dark arts. Finally, some real defense against the dark arts. Look, if Mad-Eye Moody's the teacher, this is the first teacher that like, you know what, Snape? Maybe we this guy should be teaching this because this guy is teaching them some shit. This is like bringing in like a a Vietnam vet with PTSD to like teach your history class. Yeah. (laughs) His scars are great because they're not just superficial. Like there's like some heavy sort of uh, yeah prosthetics almost prosthetics on there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They do a good job with this. Like, and then his eye, it's a little it's, too goofy sometimes, but it's so good. And then like the kind of like they do the the POV yeah cam of it, and it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. Um, going off of I guess what the twist is, but you know we've already revealed it. Obviously, with Barty Crump Jr. Um, Brady Crouch Jr. Uh, like, did he also take his eye too and use that? And well, can, fi- can yeah. he use that like the same way? Yeah, I would assume. Okay, I would assume the Polyjuice Potion gives him the same. I mean, like, I don't know. Let's let's just say yes, right? That's what we're being told. So, uh, we don't know the ins and outs of how the science of the magic works, John, because it's magic. Well, let's I assume just like say yes. if we're going off of like Polyjuice Potion, like from the first, the second movie. It's yeah, like, but they were just kids when they made it. In but the like you, movie. but you, you completely change into what that person looks like. So right. in theory, the eye patch, the magical eye patch, is not really an eye patch. It's just like a, a it's an illusion. Right. So then, what's confusing is that when he's using the eye to like zoom in and look at things, it's like, oh, it, it's working like a real eye patch, like the real eye patch, which he yeah, doesn't really so need it. Maybe he took it for off the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Excuse me, I'll borrow this. Yeah. Well, so he he says uh, we got a new job description name that he's an aura. He's an auror. That's what he does. Isn't isn't he he hunts down? Yeah. Uh, basically, he's a bounty hunter. Basically. Yeah, he's like he's like a FBI agent. He's like a cop. I like in many ways. his drinking problem, which ultimately is the polyjuice potion. But I just like that tick. 
Yes, the fact that they put in a flask too, it, it just looks like they're going an idiosyncrasy, but they actually sort of, they very much hint at it multiple times throughout the movie to let you figure it out, which is really fun. Um, and then he introduces the unforgivable curses. Do I fucking love when he's talking at the beginning and he's like, goodbye, the end. Like, he's like, this is who I am. Don't ask any fucking questions. <laughs> and then that fucking kid. <laughs> Seamus, yeah. Yeah, Seamus God says something. And he turns around and he throws chalk at it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like, shut up. <laughs> if, yeah, if you look at it from the POV of like, this is like just a, you know, an insane person now running this class, like, he's going to have some fun. Right. He's going to torment well, these kids. And so this is great because he is a user of the dark arts, Mr. Crouch. So, of course. He would be good at teaching this. Uh, and Aura would be great at teaching it, too, because he literally, his job is defense against the dark arts. That being said, we finally learn what the real dark arts are, and there's three unforgivable curses, which, using these, and I guess it means using them against other people? Yeah. We'll send you to Azkaban, because he uses them, and he's not getting sent to Azkaban. So I assume it means using them on other people. There are three curses. The Imperial Curse, which is mind control. Yes. The Cruciatus Curse, which is torture. Yes. And then Avada Kedavra, which is the killing curse, which he says that there is no way to stop it. There's no, like, rejecting it. There's no anything. It will kill you. And only one person in history has survived it, and it's Harry Potter. He's in that classroom. Which is great because it's like, oh, wait. So Harry Potter is finally learning what the hell this means. What people are like, oh, you're the boy who lived. Yeah. Like, Four years in, someone finally tells him what the hell that even meant. <laughs> yeah, I thought that He's was like a, me. I th- overall, that's a. This is probably the best scene of the movie. Um, just it's from the one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. I think. Yeah, I think it's it, very it starts good. Great, it ends great. It's just got all the. It's it's such a well written scene. Yeah, it's kooky. It's scary. It's dark, but it's like really fun somehow at the same time. It's very good. So he takes more apologies potion. Like he's got whiskey. Then we cut to. The boys, boys being boys, Cedric puts his note into the goblet. Everyone's like, yeah, man, good job. Yeah. We see the age line Dumbledore sets up. Fred and George are like, we're going to do this. They take a drink, which makes them appear as if they're older. It makes them like, you know. Yeah. And it uh, <laughs> seems like it works. They put their names in and then the goblet shoots them and their names back out. And then they are suddenly old. Yeah. <laughs> Super old. <laughs> And then we cut to a lot of like fun reveals. Like when the when the cup was first revealed, it was in that very ornate, highly decorated box. Which when Dumbledore first reveals the goblet, it drops like drapes, like curtains. All of a sudden, this box turns into. Yeah. And now we have another section of reveals where the goblet is like shooting these names out, and they come and fly into his hand, and he reads the names, um, which I thought was was really fun. So we get, obviously, the Durmstrang champion, Victor Crumb. We get the uh, Bobaton champion. We get uh, Cedric Diggory, the Hufflepuff, which is really fun. And then, you know, they think it's all done. And it, also, I felt like this was like a Powerball. This was like a magic Powerball. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's like a, it's a lottery, basically. Right. Not, not, there's a lot of gambling going on in this movie. Well, as we've said, Dumbledore is addicted to gambling. <laughs> to gambling. It's true. Um, yeah, and I guess we I'd, like it's never really clear what the what the magic of the goblet is, how it works, how you can override it per se. Right. How can Barty Crouch Jr. somehow 
get Harry's name in there. And, and Well, the way it works, I guess, is that Barty Crouch Jr. put Harry's name in. Yeah, but wouldn't, I guess, because he's old enough, but he's not a student. Because he's old enough, he could get through the line, and then he used some kind of spell on it, yeah. I guess. It can be manipulated. I, I feel like the, yeah. the next Triwizard Tournament is going to have a, some different safety protocols. Yeah, maybe less of a magical contract because what happens next is the number one reason why so many people, especially like the hardcore Harry Potter fandom, the people that are like Harry Potter book purists, they really hate, they like dislike this movie a lot. There are also a lot of the ones who don't like this Dumbledore as much as the first one, which already everything this Dumbledore has done, I could not imagine the original Dumbledore doing. He would have slept through the original introductions. He would have slept through the scene of announcing everyone. I don't know how he would have been good in this movie. Yeah, going off of our like last conversation from last week, it's Gambon is much more of a lively he I think he's a better actor for these movies. Yes. Like we said. Um and I think he's actually better in this one I overall do than he is in, in Prisoner of Azkaban. I agree. I uh, mean he 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 had to find his footing, you know? Yeah, I think he's definitely more because this also this is the this is the really the one where he's it's like the doors are starting to open on his past. Right. And Harry finally gets to like kind of see into like the, the past there. Whereas in Prisoner of Azkaban, he kind of still stays pretty surface level. Correct. You don't really get a sense of anything. Everyone's like freaked out about Harry. Harry won't even, <laughs> when Harry's name is read, Harry won't even like stand up. Hermione has to like hit him. She's like, stand the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's furious at him. Ron is so angry at him. Harry's just like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. He's like, can I? He's like, can I have one year where yeah. I go to Hogwarts and nothing happens? This is like the start of so the rest of the movie, and I think it's at this point on, and I, most of the whole movie, I was like, like, what is Daniel Radcliffe's acting motivation? And it's like, I bet they just told him like, act like you have to pee, and that's <laughs> like your your motivation for every like emo, like the way you act, like every well, scene I mean, he looks like he has to pee. He he looks annoyed. Yeah. Which he should be. <laughs> but he, he kind of has this rightfully like... annoyed. Yeah. It's like his whole life has been turned upside down. His friends don't like him. He doesn't want to be in this situation. He's not happy about it. His life is in danger. Everyone's constantly trying to fuck with him. He's like, I just want to go to school and be a normal fucking kid. That's all he wants. He's never experienced that. It's bullshit. Nope. Yeah. So I, I just think like if you just kind of rewatch the movie and just like look at his acting style he just i know i know what they're going for but he just comes off as like i'm uncomfortable and like i need to use the restroom dumbledore can i go (laughs) can i go pee now Uh, so they run out into the hall everyone's like harry what's going on the fuck Uh, dumbledore comes over to him he does the famous did you put your name in the goblet of fire harry (laughs) did you do it did he's like screaming at him because he just can't figure out what the fuck's going on. Because he set up that spell. He's a powerful wizard. He's like, how the fuck did you do this? Why would you do this? What is yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. Are you he, trying to... He just... <laughs> yeah, he can't figure it out, you know? And it's interesting because Moody is sort of like, he couldn't have done this. Like, come on. Yeah. And he's... and Karkarov immediately just kind of looks at him and he's like, Oh, you seem to be very aware of how this whole thing works. How do we know it wasn't you? Like he fucking figured it out immediately. But but you know what they do is because they showed you that one scene where Karkaroff is like sneaking into the chamber with the goblet. Yeah. You're you're now thinking it as a viewer, you're thinking he's the, the, the culprit, but is trying to deflect blame onto Moody. 
Right. So I think it's a good like they do they do a good job here. Well, and they already made you not like the older Barty Crouch. Yes. Barty Crouch Sr. And he's in there and he's like, this is an outrage. And and they're like, well, we simply can't do this. And he's like, no, you have to. It's a magical. What is a magical contract? See, this is back to what I'm talking about with the whole, you know, real estate thing. We need some magical lawyers, John. Yeah. Again, there's like, I'm sure there's magical lawyers. There's magical property taxes. There's magical, like, things. Anything there's, like, a muggle version of, I'm sure there's a magic version of it. Mm. It's just from a, from a muggle's perspective, it's probably wacky as shit. You know? But my point is, why didn't they just instruct Harry to be like, okay, well, you're magically binded into participating, but, like, you're just going to fail, just forfeit at the start of each round. Like, he didn't have to jump off the platform into the water. He didn't have to enter the maze. He could have entered the maze and shot his flare up immediately and turned out. Yeah. And that's what they should have instructed him to do. It was irresponsible of them to send this child in when they already knew it was dangerous and they know if anyone's a target in this world, it's Harry Potter. Yeah. I also, I just have a general issue with the tournament like format was, okay, so... Oh, we'll get to that. Okay, yeah. Oh, you're wondering how the fuck the points work because they don't make any sense? That and also in between task one and two, how like why? We'll get to it when we get to it. Basically, after... We'll... We'll, let's get up to that point. We'll get to it when we get to it. Okay. So Ron's really angry. And this is something I'm realizing now. Like all these kids, all these like 14, 15 year old like kids are like in these open room dorms. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> How so? Because all these kids seem very frustrated. Uh, <laughs> You're saying that no one has a place to jerk off in? Uh, I mean, Harry's got the invisibility cloak. <laughs> so. He goes off to like. He can go anywhere. He, he could be right next to them. <laughs> <laughs> like, he could just be in bed. No one would even know. Well, given that, like, an adult man was sleeping with Ron for most of his life. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's a good point. There's a lot of, like, thank God, either we don't know about it or it never happened. But a lot of stuff could have gone real bad. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the next major thing that happens is we meet Rita Skeeter, which we're not really going to talk about much. Because it's a huge part of the books, and they introduce it in the movie, and then just drop it. Oh, yeah. I, t- I just almost, like, I actually didn't even write her note down, and I completely forgot about her until you mentioned her. She feels like a Hunger Games character. She is a very Elizabeth Banks in yeah. Hunger Games. So, in the in the books, her storyline runs throughout the whole thing, and even up until the end, one of the things that you find out, and they're able to, like, solve some of the mystery through her... Because they're like, how does she keep finding these things out? And they think there's like a mole or something and they can't figure out who it is. And uh, that's also part of like the fighting between Ron and Harry. It's like, are you telling her stuff about me? Like, like who knows where all this stuff is coming from? It turns out she is actually an illegal animagi, just like Sirius was. And she was turning into a beetle. And so she was following them around and getting these stories the whole time. I see. They, they drop the whole... Yeah. Like, basically, after the dragon... I don't even remember if we see her again. Yeah, because basically she's she does the initial kind of interview with Harry Potter. Yeah. And like the she, other other three. And then she just does fake her... news. Fake fucking news <laughs> the whole time. Literally writing the wrong her... ages of facts the whole time. Yeah, she doesn't even get basic facts right. Um, but yeah, and then we see her again right before the dragon task. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, that, and that's it, I think. I think she, because I think at that point someone tells her to just like shut the fuck up and go home or something and then she just kind of goes away 
after that, Harry heads to the owl room. He gets an owl from Sirius. I loved seeing this because we've heard about the owls and like where they go and we've never actually seen them come in or go out. So it was nice to see this sort of like fun outdoor room Shit with this covered like, room. beautiful view. Yeah, but it's like a nice view and it's like yeah, the yeah. owl rolls in. <laughs> I, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just love how it's like, yeah, of course, like in a pigeon thing or like an owl. Right. Place, there'd be just like crap everywhere. Well, and in Sirius's letter, he's he's like, we got to be careful. I couldn't even send Hebwig because the ministry is reading the mail. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, which which then made me realize, dude, if these wizards would just learn how to use some muggle technology, they would be on the DL so easy. Like, if they want to be able to, like, plan shit together without people knowing, just use muggle tech. Yeah, a radio. Yeah, a cell phone, email. These people would be perplexed. They'd have no idea. <laughs> um, I really wanted more serious in this movie overall because we only get one scene with him. And even it's not even he's in a fire. <laughs> yeah. And in the book, he shows up similar. He, he never actually physically shows up, but he shows up in like the flames and stuff a little bit more often. But basically, we just get the letter from him and the fire from him. And otherwise, that's about it. Because uh, I feel like so far, serious. The, he's not really that much in prisoner of azkaban and he's barely in this movie so i feel like they're setting up this relationship between him and him that we just don't see yeah in the movies i'm sure it's a lot in the books but it's just like we're just not getting well i mean it's not significantly more i mean in this in the book he just talks with him more often so it feels more significant but he doesn't actually physically show up in the book either yeah Um, i I just like that dynamic between them because they're both sort of these lost people yes yeah, no, they're they they definitely sort of uh, have a strong connection. And to Harry, Siri, he looks at Sirius sort of like his only remaining family. Even though the truthfully, the Dursleys are his actual family. It's very sad that he doesn't have that connection to them. Well, they're just horrible, like racist people. <laughs> towards, yeah, towards it's, magic but folks. it's it's sad. That's sad. You know, that's that's his aunt. Like that's his mom's sister. You know. So it's kind of sad that that's the case. Sometimes family ain't blood. Real family ain't blood. Harry and Ron are just fighting again. It's uh, really stupid. This is when I thought to myself, I was like, we need to get like some truth magic because no one's listening to Harry. And if people just believed Harry when he was like, hey, I didn't do this. Yeah. Then Ron wouldn't hate him anymore. Yeah. There should be like a lie detector test. Right. Which is funny because we we there is and it gets introduced like not long after this, but it's not used on Harry. Um, I felt really bad for Hermione here. Ron, you know, does the thing where he's like, "I want you to tell Harry that this person." Oh says this. yeah, and Harry's was, like, "Well, uh, you can tell Ron." Blah, blah 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 blah. I thought that was like I didn't like it, but I liked it at the same time because I feel like that was very school. It's very real. Yeah, very real. Hermione says something which made it real because. I didn't really care about Harry's or Ron's feelings in that. I hated that they were fighting each other, but I didn't feel bad for either of them. But then when Hermione was like, you tell him, she was like, I'm not an owl. Like, (laughs) stop. Like, you guys are both treating me crappy now. Yeah. I was like, oh, I feel bad for her. Like, fuck both of you. Yeah. Also, because, like, they went to, like, speaking term, like, non-speaking term so quickly. I felt like it was such a jarring, like, left turn. I was like, you kind of guys were talking... Like, even though you were mad at each other in the last scene, like, you guys seemed like you wouldn't, you would keep talking, at least. Well, the thing that, that you, it was is, and they used the little, like, newspaper transitions, and this is why they kept Rita Skeeter. They used her to move the fight along faster, because anytime this stuff was coming out, like, Ron was seeing it and just getting angrier about it. And, like, they were also saying things, like, leaving Ron out of things, um, 
So it was just making Ron and him yeah. and their fight that much worse every time. Uh, I loved, oh my God, the pins that were like, fuck you, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. They would like change, like, they're, like, they're like, say they love Cedric. And then when he gets close to them, it switches it, over to like, fuck you, Harry. It's Potter <laughs> stinks. Yeah. And they yeah. turn green. Yeah. <laughs> Those I w- I would love a Potter Stinks pin. I'm sure you can get them online, if not on Etsy. Yeah, a Potter Stinks pin would be dope. Um, I really liked. So Harry goes up to Cedric, and instead of like going up to him and being like, "Hey, like you're being an ass, and everyone hates me," because no one is happy about Harry. Everyone is like, "No, fuck this. We're gonna get behind Cedric for Hogwarts. We're not gonna get behind Harry." Yeah. Harry goes up to Cedric to tell him about the dragons, which makes me realize we didn't talk about the dragons. John, what did you think about this? Moody sends Harry on a clue being like, "Mm, you should go check in with Hagrid. I thought that was all. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Moody tells Harry, uh, tells Ron to tell Harry, right? Right. About Hagrid. And then, yeah, this whole sequence, I was like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) Um, And then... Yeah, so Which then, again, like, why would you think Moody's bad? Like, all he's doing now is helping Harry. Yeah, they, they, they do, I think, a good job of, like, setting up this thing of he's he's sneaking him notes. Right. You know. And he also, earlier in the movie, you saw him go up to Neville, and he was like, Neville, come with me. Like, you're upset. Like, why don't you come yes. with me? Which was really fucked up because his Neville's parents had the Cruciatus curse on, used on them, which is why they're not around anymore. Um, and he, Barty Crouch Jr., was the one who tortured them with the Cruciatus curse. Ugh. So that's why in class he was like, Longbottom, do you know what the Cruciatus curse does? Oh, Jesus. But because we don't know that at the time, yeah, he comes across as being like really sweet, being like, I know that was hard. Why don't you come with me? I'll like, we can talk about it. But he's actually being really twisted. Being real twisted. Um, yeah, so I thought the, the sort of dragon reveal was cool, seeing... Uh, you know, Khaleesi's dragons was cool. Yeah. Well, and it was a big setup now. It's a three movie later payoff because we hear about the dragon that was sent from Hagrid. Hagrid got that dragon in the first movie. And one of Ron's brothers ends up raising the dragon. Now Ron's brother comes back here with dragons for the tournament. Unfortunately, he just happens to have four dragons. Yes. Four you know. dragons. Luckily, they brought a fourth as if like they knew they were going to need it. So he so then Harry tells Cedric about the dragons. Yes. To give him a tip off. Um, we see another scene in which uh, Moody helps out Harry by uh, torturing Draco. <laughs> well, okay. So that was, so he tells Cedric, but then Harry goes up to Malfoy because Malfoy says some shit to Harry. Yeah. They don't think you're going to win. And he's like, I don't think you're going to even last five minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Harry just fucking destroys him. And he. He rips into him so hard. He calls out his dad. He basically calls his dad a piece of shit. And then Malfoy is about to just like fire at Harry's back, which is a bitch move. And Moody just turns him into a ferret and sticks him down like the pants of was like yeah. crab. Yeah, he touches crab's penis. He <laughs> brushes up against it as a ferret. Which at this point, you have to love Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. I mean, they make him... Now, everything about him so far, you don't realize how fucked it up it is, but yeah, it's great. Yep. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. So that happens. Um, and then does anything happen in between then and the first event? Harry goes to talk to Mad-Eye and he lets him know. He's like, what are you really good at? Oh, that's where we're introduced to the chest. 
Yeah. You hear the scream test. He's like, don't worry about that. You wouldn't even believe me if I told you. <laughs> Which is like, if I had a teacher and there was like a screaming chest in their class, yeah. you know, I'd be like, uh. Yeah. But it's interesting because that's when Harry gets the idea because he's like, he's like, you can bring your wand. So just think about what are you best at? And that's where Harry realized like, well, I'm really good at flying. So I'm going to make sure I can call my broom. So that's what his Which I feel plan is, is like for this challenge is kind of cheating, right? No, I mean, you can use your wand. You can do any magic you want. I, th- I feel like that you have to kind of stay in the confines of the arena. I mean, John, again, this isn't a muggle world. You don't use muggle. I know. Words. I just feel bad for the people that, like, came to watch. And then, like, most of the action doesn't even happen, like, in the viewing range. Yeah. You know? Well. It happens actually I mean, several times here. It actually happens at all the events. They, look, they the dragon the... probably wasn't supposed to be able to break free, John. I know. So which would you give Harry the advantage? When oh, I, no. thought, I thought it's supposed to be a dangerous task. It was. Are you kidding me? The dragon almost kills him. He pro- he fucking almost destroys Hogwarts in the process yeah. <laughs> of winning this challenge. Because Harry lures him away and lures him towards Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Harry's by the way, fault. this was the last time we basically see Rita Skeeter. Because right before they reveal who gets what dragons, Hermione comes in and everyone's really nervous. And I'm like, why is everyone so worried about this? And then when you actually see the challenge play out, it's like, oh, no. He was seconds from dying. Yeah. Actually, I thought it was kind of cool about the, the, the dragons that the, we only see one really one dragon that Harry right. faces off with. But it reminded me a lot, like the design of the creature reminded me, um, it almost looked kind of cartoonish. And it looked like how to train your dragon type of dragon. Um, oh, if you go back bit, and kind yeah. of watch those movies, like it, like the design of it looks very much from that world. Yeah, a little bit. It was pretty cool. On all three events, they set up these like stands for people to watch. But like, there's really nothing much to watch because most of the action takes place out of vi- you know sight of the stands that the audience can actually see. Yeah, I mean that's true. I think that they're meant to have things that they can watch, almost like virtual displays or something. But we don't really see it. Like I mean, Phantom that's just Menace. what I. Yeah, that's just what I imagine though too. Yeah, um, I love the uh, the the Filch cannon like gag, you know, where you Filch kept, cannon. Uh, whatever you know, Filch the Walder Frey character. Uh huh. He keeps like he keeps lighting the candle, uh, the cannon too early, like the oh, that initiates right, 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 the right. Uh, whatever the At event the start. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was funny. Uh, did you notice how crazy Igor Karkarov's teeth were? Uh, I knew like, he looked like messed up, but <laughs> I didn't really notice how fucked up. They were so wild. Um, I'm really glad that after this, after Harry survives, he and almost destroys Hogwarts. They need to get an entire like new roof on that section of the castle now. Uh, I'm very happy that we're just under halfway through the movie and they're friends again. Because I think if they spent more than half of the movie not being friends, that would have been kind of like a not enjoyable time. Uh, Ron and Harry? Yes. Yeah, I think because they both come back and realize like we're both like depressed. (laughs) Well, and also I think seeing Harry almost die, he was like, oh shit, I don't actually want anything bad to happen to you and i'm really glad that you survived and yeah. clearly you probably didn't want to do this either because that's insane yeah but uh, there was a moment though after harry does win and he's like being like kind of hoisted up in his in the dorm room and like ron's like kind of bitching to everybody he he's so he enters that room being like fake bitchy but he was actually just i was your friend first and like also you really scared me like i didn't want you to die sort yeah. of a thing okay um, yeah. Okay. So because they're all chummy before Ron gets taken. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting my order mixed up here. Because yeah, yeah, they yeah. all get taken by Liam Neeson. 
And also, so, so like, Harry's all fucking, like, scarred up from this. Like, hello, can we heal his scars? Yeah. I know we're not going to heal his vision for no reason, but can we heal, like, these cuts he has all over his body now? <laughs> then Ron yeah. gets this insane dress robe. Oh, yeah. He gets the... What? what? I don't, yeah. What was that? Well, and this is when they introduce the dance. Yes. And, and the whole... Uh... Yeah, so the whole uh, McGonagall teaches a dancing class. Yeah. Well, and this made sense because the f- the formal idea of a dance and formal robes made sense because there is sort of their own wizardy fashion. And the more modern robes, actually, that Harry and everyone wore reminded me of almost like a vampire cloak. If yes. you took like, a close look at it, somewhere between that he and a He did tuxedo. look like a child vampire. Whereas Ron's were definitely more feminine. If you look at what, like, Gan- uh, I almost called him Gandalf. Oh, my God. <laughs> If you look at what Dumbledore wears, Dumbledore has much more of these like elegant kind of robes, you know? His are much more old fashioned. So Ron's are definitely more of that type of formal wear, uh, which harkens back to something like an older person would have worn, which I find very interesting. Uh, even if it is like a little bit feminine, it's it's more just like an older style is really what it is. Uh, everyone makes fun of him for it, which I thought was fun. Yeah, I thought that was, it's just more humiliation for Ron. Just pile uh, on. So when McGonagall teaches that class, John, she's basically like giving like almost like a birds and bees talk. Yeah, it was a fun, like, you know, welcome to the dance of sex. Right. <laughs> kind of. And then I love the part where she, who does she ask to like dance with her first? Oh, it's Ron. Is it Ron? Yeah. And then she's like, yeah. put your hand on my waist. She's yeah. like, put your hand on your waist. What? <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. <laughs> so fun. And the just the giant monophone thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I love how all the girls stand up to like dance, but then none of the boys do. They're like, no. No. <laughs> um, then we cut to Hagrid talking to uh, Madame Maxine, and he tells her that his mom was a giant, but his dad wasn't. Yeah. How does that work? You know, it's sometimes short dudes, you know, they get, they get some. <laughs> I mean, his dad could have been tall, but she was still a giant, so she would have been short to to her. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, it would be an interesting thing to see the backstory yeah. of. I mean, we don't know how. I guess it makes more sense though than it working in the other direction. It would be like it's harder to imagine how a giant and a regular sized woman would work. Uh, anatomically, yes, that would be very difficult. Whereas I feel like the unless he was very like not endowed for a giant. Yeah, or if like. He just jerked off and then kind of like like know, in vitro, fun, like giant yeah, in vitro into. Yeah, we're we're not t- talking about magical IVF here, John. <laughs> oh yeah, we won't talk. About, we won't talk about magical property taxes, but we will talk about no. magical IVF. Uh, so there's the school dance. Hermione has a date already. Oh, this already this happens all those part. I totally like got my pins out of order. Um, yeah. So Hermione has a date. Mm-hmm. Because Ron basically like he's like I got nowhere to go with Hermione. You want to go with me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like a piece of shit. <laughs> well, but the thing is, he clearly wanted to actually ask her. Yeah, I know, but he just does that thing where he waits too long and then right. Does and it then in also such a like way. I think he didn't think anyone else was gonna ask her. Yeah, I mean, but that's like that's very bad on him to think so. Yes, on correct to be a good friend and think like no one's gonna ask you. And that's when Harry, like, he sees this, and he's like, oh, shit, I need to get a date. Uh, and then he sees Cho, who's introduced. Oh, we uh, never talked about Cho. Right. Well, this is when she's introduced. No, she's actually introduced in the beginning on the train. Oh, right, 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 right. So yes. That brief moment. 
Yeah. Um, and in the books, I, I'm pretty sure she's introduced earlier, like in a smaller part. Yeah. Um, but it's so funny because he's he does that thing where he's really nervous and he says it really fast. And then it was like also loud at the same time. So then he has to say it a second time. And he's like, God damn it. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Cho is a Ravenclaw. Oh, yeah. Good for her. Uh, and then she also has got a date. Yes. Yes. And it's great. Um, Which is interesting because Cho is not the Ravenclaw that I was saying I'm excited for you to meet. But she is a continuing character. You'll see her again after this. It wasn't you, did like you say a... Trelawney was the one? No. I thought you said Trelawney. She is also. Oh, okay. She is. Then, so but I, not the one that one I'm excited about. Yet to meet. The one in the next movie is my favorite. She's the best Ravenclaw. She's actually one of my favorite characters. Um, and she's like a big character. Cho also is a returning, like, fairly large role. Like, she will be in pretty much the rest of the stories, at least, somewhat. Okay. So, um, so he strikes out with Cho. And then uh, Ron goes and asks Floor Delacour. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he just, like, was, like, enraptured by her. So it just, like, came out, and he didn't realize it. And then he ran away because he was so scared. And it was it was so kind of cute, but also like weirdly like gross and creepy. And this is why I was like, it's weird that they are all in the same room. Oh, because didn't they like, also like they made like a sex joke here? With well, the... yeah, because he was just like he was like, you know how I like to watch him walk. Yeah, and then like the way he describes like how he asked her, yeah, is like I I couldn't control myself and it just came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I don't think that was meant to be a sex joke, but maybe it is. I think the I... way he's just describing it though, it just comes off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly, like, super horny. Yes. It's um, weird. The whole thing's weird. Uh, So do we... Does, is the dance before or after the next task? No, so the dance is before the next task. Okay. So, but so, meanwhile, Harry's trying to figure out what this egg means. Yeah. But he doesn't know it yet until after the dance. Correct, yeah. Okay. So Harry goes to the twins. He asks the Patils. <laughs> he never designates which one is going with him yeah that, i thought is, that was strange that was like he asked yeah. one of them and then they both show up well for him and ron but they were never like you're with me i'm with you so that's why it was really funny when yeah one gets sent off with ron and she's like and what she the looks fuck? back like and i guess they wanted the opposite <laughs> yeah it's really funny well i feel like the, the one that went with harry was kind of happy that she went with harry well i mean come on yeah, I mean, he's kind of a... Anyways, um, what do you think about the dance? So the dance is really fun. Yeah, uh, I love the... Uh, Harry Potter's dress robes and everyone else's are way better than Ron's. Yes, I love the I love the, the dance. I love, like, the Hagrid asks the Madame to dance. Yeah, well, so right after Ron gets sent off from Harry, like, after they split up right there, that's when Hermione's introduced, and she's in the dress, and it's oh, yeah. the first time they, like, sort of, like, sexualize this young character in a way. Yeah, it's very much her Cinderella moment. Yes. And I didn't like this for one reason, which is there really is like in the books, there's no sort of like spark between Harry and Hermione. And this scene doesn't exactly exist the way it exists in the movie. And it feels like they're trying to force this sort of almost love triangle thing that doesn't exist in the book. But in the movie, they're trying to do it. Just doesn't. I never so, got the sense that we're like, tr- like I know like maybe the outside forces within the in the story were like trying to like, with Rita and stuff, they were trying to force like a love triangle. I never got the sense yeah. that Harry and Hermione, you know, were ever really had anything. No, and either did I. But this one shot was kind of strange because it's just Harry kind of looking at her. So I, I was, I always thought that was kind of strange for me. But other than that, like I thought it was well done. So then, yeah, you, you, 
the thing you were just saying about Hagrid being on the dance floor was great. Uh, um, Filch and Mrs. Norris like bobbing around. Yes. <laughs> that was the one that I have. I have Filch and his cat is was maybe my favorite thing about the dance floor. And then and uh, then it cuts to like the the after like formal party. Uh huh. And just the song. <laughs> It just becomes like a punk band. Yeah, and it's like very like yeah. mid two thousands like punk yeah. rock, uh-huh. and the, like the lyrics <laughs> that they're singing. Just like... Hagrid's getting his freak on during this. Oh yeah, Hagrid's absolutely getting his freak on. Big um, mosh happening. And ha- Harry and Ron are not dancing, and then the girls just go and dance with other guys. Yeah, which like, is great. Can we can, you, like can we be released now? <laughs> yeah, which I thought was funny because you don't you know you don't. My girlfriend pointed this out. None of the girls are seen there dancing with each other, which is like what these dances were a lot of times. Like all the girls a lot were dancing together. Yeah. Whereas on this dance floor, it was basically just couples dancing. Yeah. Which was interesting. It was actually except a point, in sort of the mosh pit. There was a point earlier in the movie. I think Harry or Ron points out like, remember when they're like looking at the girls and they're like, like they're in packs together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, that was funny. Even Mad Eye Moody looked like he was kind of having a good time there. Oh yeah, he was drinking his uh, supposed booze but really ron and harry are, are being kind of lame ron's being very emo ron's being v emo right now hermione comes over having the best time of her life she is so happy i wonder why just... though because i feel like victor didn't really say anything <laughs> yeah but she, but that's what she she's just like having fun who cares and she just wants to have fun with her friends and then they're being like really crappy and then Ron's like well, whatever blah 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 Victor Crumb like he's the enemy and like she's like why would you ruin this for me like what the yeah. fuck's wrong with you and then she calls him out and she's like next time if you want to go with me you should ask me for someone else does and don't just act like it's your last choice and Ron just like she just shuts him down and then she sends them both to bed <laughs> like their mom yeah and I love when like outside of the ballroom there's like the, like just groups of girls crying <laughs> Yes, yes, and then she's crying on the stairs, and behind her, there's three girls, and one of them's crying on the stairs. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, this is the crying section of the party. Yep. So then Harry's sleeping again. He has the same dream. He's the old man getting killed again, back at the old uh, Tom Riddle residence. So is this, okay. So this is when am I am I going too soon? Then I'm talking about the tip from Cedric. Uh, no. So Cedric then gives him the tip, and then he takes it into the prefect bathroom, and he goes into the tub. Yes. And Myrtle's in there being uh, an absolute freak. Oh, Jesus Christ, this scene. <laughs> yeah, Myrtle's in there being a total freak again. She's being just as pervy as before. And now we hear about the Polyjuice potion once again. Yes, because she's like, I heard someone's doing Polyjuice. Yeah. Um, so the Polyjuice is being used. Okay, so and it, then here's my thing uh-huh. here. So, okay, so this whole thing between events one and two. Right. It, it's like, oh, there's a riddle that needs to be solved. But, like, does there need to be? Because everyone seems to be, like, there for all set up. And there's, like, stands and everything's ready to go. Like, there's no, like, mystery to be solved about what the next task is. Yes, there is. I don't understand what you mean, Sal. What, what, do you, what am I talking about? It's not like... So, let's say if Harry doesn't figure it out. Uh-huh. He's just going to look and see that everyone's gathering in the lake. <laughs> but how's he going to get underwater that long? How's he going to do it if he doesn't know ahead of time? He had to have a plan. Yeah, but it's still, it just he, feels... He literally wouldn't have been able to succeed. Uh, he would have found out a way. No, he wouldn't have. I mean, that's the whole point. He literally is given gillyweed by Mad-Eye. But even then, it's like you could just do what happened to Floor and, like, fail, and then you still get to go out and move on to the next task. 
Right, but the whole point is whoever wins gets to go into the maze first. So the order that you that you come in is the order that you get to enter the maze. Listen, I'm not worried because it's Harry Potter. I just know he's going to win, but... Right. <laughs> but no, it makes sense. So the reason you want to succeed in the first round is so that you can get the clue so you have the advantage in the second round because if you win the second round, you get to enter the maze first. And, it, and entering the maze first is a huge advantage because to win the cup, all you have to do is to be the first person to grab the cup. Yeah. So actually, it makes a ton of sense as to why you'd want to win it. But otherwise, I still think the whole thing is a ridiculous idea. I, like, I just think they, they set up so much as a you need to figure out where it is. I, I guess it means like I get I get what you're saying in the sense that you need to know where it is so you can prepare for it. That you need well, to go. If he didn't know that the next task required him to swim underwater and be underwater for that long, there's no way he would have been able to succeed. I get it, but again, if they're going to be setting up like stanchions and like all these things, like. But they, this is a magic world. They literally wave their wands, and they're they're there in less than one right, minute. Just keep relying on that. You've, you know, that's what they do. They don't need manpower. At some they point, have wands. It becomes like just a a, a cover, <laughs> a cover for bad decisions. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you can't just say everything's magic when you don't want it to be when it doesn't make sense. No, it does make sense. You just seem to have a very hard time separating the muggle world from the magical world. No, I'm, I'm totally in the magic world right now. I don't think you are. I'm just you a, see, at the beginning... I'm approaching it, it from a very Ravenclaw these, intellectual standpoint here. But then you wouldn't have any concerns with anything that, re- that, that deals with uh, any kind of construction. It's not anything, about the construction. It's about the fact that everyone else is in on the idea. I mean, you don't know that. Yeah, I think everyone would... I think no, we see a hard cut to there in the stands, but we don't see all of the time between them. Like, we don't know, do they gather the Great Hall Cedric and then they all head outside that... to the location? Like, we don't have any of that information. Also, Cedric could just tell him, like, because Harry basically threw him a bone and said it's dragons. So he right. could just say, like, hey, it's mermaids and we're in the in the lake. Like, didn't have to, I did not have to see Myrtle again. I'm just, I'm just, that's all I have to say. Yeah. So Harry becomes the shape of water with the gillyweed. <laughs> Uh, he has sex with the fish. He goes underwater, gets gills, breaches the water like he's Flipper. I love Victor Crumb's spell. He's a fucking shark. Yeah, so it's, he uses a transfiguration spell, but he only uses it on like the top half of his body. <laughs> yeah, so it's so weird. It. It's a transfiguration spell, like what we saw Moody do to uh, Malfoy. Yeah, when he turned him into a ferret, like when you turn animals into cups. So. In this underwater scene, I really... F- Wait a second. When Ron turned the rat into a cup, was that Scabbers? Did P- Was Peter Pettigrew a cup for yes. a little bit? <laughs> you didn't realize that? <laughs> That's why he's like screaming. <sighs> Man, what would have happened if when he undid that, he had turned back into a person? Can you imagine? Just a man just appears. <laughs> everyone would have been... A naked very, man. Yeah, everyone would have been very confused. <laughs> Well, except for McGonagall, she'd be like, Peter Pettigrew. Um, you're dead. Okay, so underwater in the second task, for a moment, for actually a long time there, I didn't connect that floor. Well, I knew that she did, like, didn't, she like failed early. Mm-hmm. And then, but I thought that was Ginny Weasley was the other person. Yeah. Like, I didn't, they did not really set that, who that, the his her sister was, the younger sister of Floor. Right. And so that's why I was all like, wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> like, why is Ginny also down there? And then after he rescues both, uh, who, okay, he who does Harry rescue? 
Ron. Harry rescues Ron okay. and Hermione. Ron and no, you rescues Ron and Fleur's sister. Uh, Fleur's sister. Right. Yeah, Fleur's sister. That's why I like. And then when she comes up and it's like reveal, I'm like, oh, that's like it's it's who you your best friend right. basically. And said well, Cedric had Cho. Oh yeah, and that's right. Victor had Hermione. That's kind of a weird, messed up game. Like you kidnap your like yeah thing and then like yeah. The thing them. is, the mermaids were in on it. Like had Harry not saved them, they would have been fine. Would have, but they? they don't know that. Okay, the kids okay. don't know that. They didn't know that at the time. Yeah, they sort of leave that out of the movie. Yeah, but like the mermaids were in on this. Otherwise, like why would the mermaids let them take one only? Either you know what I mean? Yeah, that seemed kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, the mermaids and then the little squid children things were fucking creepy. Oh yeah, because yeah, it like it first starts with mermaids and then and then it's like oh these like little mermaids. I'm like, or they're just like little squiddy things. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Harry saves everyone. He's given second place, even though he came in like fourth. I but guess, because he saved third. two people. Yeah, they they gave him second. Um, then there is the scene between Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch Jr. Mad Eye Moody. Oh yeah, and that's when basically they have this argument, and then we find the senior dead in the forest. Yeah, and we see Mad Eye Moody do the tongue thing to Barty Crouch, which that's is why Barty right. gave him that look. That's right. Which was this weird sort of his idiosyncrasy tech, his, his, that like, Barty tech. Crouch Jr. did. Yeah. yeah. Because he's a fucking like evil Slytherin like Voldemorty character, so he does some weird like snake tongue thingy. Okay, so then this scene happens where Harry goes to visit Dumbledore right. in his office, and I, okay, this was really strange for me because they're all having all these people are having a conversation in Dumbledore's office, and then is it Moody's like we have another guest, and then like opens the door as he's about to knock. Harry comes right. in, and then they're like, we're all just gonna leave. Bye. We're going to leave our office here, even Dumbledore. Well, Dumbledore does that on purpose that Harry will discover enter the memory. Yeah, discover the, whatever, was, was it called the Pensieve? The Pensieve. He uses it and he experiences a memory for the first time. So another really cool, brand new version of magic. Yeah, where I think we saw before Dumbledore is like plucking his mind hairs out and placing them into the into it. Yeah, they come out of his head, like yeah. almost like out of his ear. But it's like a strand temple. of hair yeah. almost. But like yeah. it's your mind hair. Yeah. Uh great scene here with the the trial of Igor Kakarov. Mm-hmm. And it, we'd see our magical lawyers for the first time. Yeah, I thought this I thought this scene was great. This is where it's um this is where we get revealed of the Barty Crouch Jr. Well, and this is where we get the reveal about Igor Karkarov. Yeah, I'm saying like he yeah, he was a Death Eater, but then he renounced it and like named others as a But it doesn't allow us to really trust him yet either. No, we still kind of think he is maybe Right still a death eater yep again and then, great writing uh he also reveals that snape was bad that's correct but then dumbledore is like no snape he's a de- like he yes he was a death eater but then he turned and he's not he was working for us as a kind of secret agent yeah he's like a double agent death eater like he tricked you guys that's when it's revealed he says he's the man who tortured the long bottoms with the Cruciatus curse, and he, they said, and then he goes, Barty Crouch Jr., and you see Barty Crouch make a run for it, and everyone grabs him. This is very like Nuremberg trials, yeah, Interpol, and like just like the uh, yeah, whatever they call it, uh, yeah, the, the is it the, the Hague, yeah. Mm-hmm. After this, we see Dumbledore for the first time very unhinged, very because yes, he's very you can like, tell Harry, he's what like, did you say? Well, but then also the thing was he was just like he's like I he's like there's something I'm missing and he doesn't know what it is. He's like there's a piece to this puzzle I don't have. Whereas 
you know, the last time we saw Dumbledore, he he's kind of knew everything. He was like, he was like, no, three times yeah. you guys will figure it out, and <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna leave for a little bit, but you'll all kill the basilisk, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Hey, take care of. Th- but like now he's like, all right, like. Listen, Harry, I don't fucking know what's going on this time. Like, he's like, Harry, man, I'm, I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I need I need help, man. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, listen, like, I'm always rolling the dice with you, but that's only because I'm pretty sure it's going to work. He's like, this time I have absolutely no idea. I'm fucked, man. Fucked. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. Because basically what he doesn't, you know, the, the thing he doesn't realize is that Barty Crouch Jr. is hitting him on him. Correct. fucking with him. So that's why he doesn't right. know. Right. You know, we, we learned about that. Um... I don't know why Harry isn't just forced to forfeit again. This is when we see Snape, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the whole, like, you've been stealing from my cupboard. And that's after Harry, like, Harry ran into him with Igor Karkarov. Yes. Um, and, you know, Karkarov's like, he's back. Like, you know the, what the symbol means. Um, so it's interesting to think, like, oh, is Karkarov going to turn back to the Death Eaters again? Is he trying to bring Snape back with them? And also Harry uh, remembers from his dream that he saw Barty Crouch Jr. Right. But also, remember in the dream, Karkaroff was like, no, he goes, you're lying. Snape actually isn't really working for you. So now, like, we're meant to, like, wonder, like, whose side is Snape on? Yes. You know? Because um, it's hard to tell whose side Karkaroff is on, actually, in this moment. Yeah. Snape's sure that he has the Polyjuice Potion. Snape reveals he has a Truth Serum. It's like, dude, that Truth Serum would have been useful so many times previous. What the fuck? Uh <laughs> And then they reveal the maze, which is apparently, like, Hogwarts grounds are apparently massive because the maze is the size of a country. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, the like the little marching band, like, doing their, like, So they enter the maze. They get to enter first, Harry and Cedric. And the rules basically are, as we mentioned, whoever gets to the cup first wins. But Dumbledore warns them, like, you might get fucked up in the maze. You lose your mind in there. And ultimately what happens, like... The maze itself, there isn't a whole lot that's important to note other than we actually see Victor Crumb be a victim, the Imperious Curse in here. And that's why he's, like, hunting them down. Okay, yeah. So I would, like, so they explain it at first as that Victor, he became bewitched. That's, like, what they say. That's what Harry says to Cedric in the maze. But then I'm I'm, like, looking back at the Wikipedia and it says, Victor under the influence of the Imperious Curse. Well, that's what he means by he's been bewitched. Okay. Like he's I, under. A spell. I thought there was just some 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 like like Dumbledore had set up. There's something no. within the and maze that makes you. That's like, why you crazy. see take out Fleur Delacour, but then walk past Harry because it's it's we're meant to believe that either a Death Eater or Mad Eye. Typically, it's most likely going to be Barty Crouch Jr. It's likely that it was Mad Eye has used the Imperious Curse on him and told him to basically. He needs to get Harry force- to the cup. Exactly. Force everyone else to lose so that Harry will win. Yes. But then at the last moment, you know, Harry takes him down and he actually saves Cedric and they win together. They grab the cup together, which is like a really fun moment. And then it's like immediately 180. (laughs) Yep. Except the cup was a port key. Yeah. Which is a good thing they set up right in the beginning like we talked about. Yeah. And what sucks is like... Harry almost immediately realizes where he is, and he's like, we have to get back to the cup. We have to get back to the cup. We have to get back to the cup. Yeah. But they don't. Like, they just don't make it back. And like, then... They should have turned around and just fucking picked it up immediately. Yeah. Like, the second he saw the gravestones. <laughs> yes. And yeah, and just the the cauldron yeah. and all the stuff. It's like, we should not be here. Um, Peter Pettigrew comes out, and then <laughs> carrying baby Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. 
which is so like nasty and gross. But he tells him he's like he's just like just kill the boy. He's like kill kill Cedric. Kill Cedric. Um, and, and, th- and this is where Robert Pattinson does his best acting as a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where I feel like this is where he was cast as Edward Cullen as a vampire based on this performance here. I thought he was great. He he, he was a great dead body. I thought he was great. Here's a question for you. Why the fuck does Tom Riddle's house still exist? Why wouldn't they have demolished this entire area? Uh, how wealthy is his family? Who They're all dead. But you think there's like... There's no one but Voldemort left. I know, but do you think there's some sort of like trusts in place? Who cares? The, why would the ministry allow that? Why would the ministry allow... Like they wouldn't allow like Hitler's... But then why do they let a muggle like take care of it? I don't know. That's my point. That's why I'm asking this question. Maybe the Riddle family is somewhat known within the muggle world. Thus... No, they're not. Like, here's the thing. I'm telling you right now, they're not. Wait, no. So I don't understand why they allow this place to exist. Oh, you're saying they're clearly, not, like, as in they're they're not Muggle at all. No, I'm saying like that they have no, there there's no influence. They're not well known anything. There's no reason they should have let this place exist. The only thing it's going to exist for is for fucking followers of Voldemort to fucking gather at. So why would they allow it? Well, they had that old man watching. Get just get rid of it. Fire him and get rid of it. Again, you show up one day, be like, "Hey, we bought the place," and you just fucking wipe it out. You know, no it, questions asked. I think they use the we damn really memory charm on him. If we didn't have or a story, yeah, if we I didn't understand. Have. It just seems like such a clear oversight to allow that to exist. Well, that's his. That was Dumbledore's big mistake. No, that's the Ministry's mistake. Okay, that's Fudge's mistake. Sweet, sweet Fudge. So yeah, Baby Voldemort gets that nasty bitch Wormtail okay. to kill Cedric. Cedric dies. Okay, and then and, and then um, Peter easily cuts off his hand. <laughs> yeah i was like i think that's a pretty tough thing to do to cut off your own hand yeah i don't know maybe it's like really weak after he was a mouse for so long <laughs> maybe he just like cut it off he's like he snipped it off a little dagger but um he so he takes the bone of his father mm-hmm. the blood of his enemy harry mm-hmm. and the uh flesh of his servant correct peter combines them all together then you get the and, and voldemort <laughs> yes and voldemort himself and, baby baby voldemort fetus <laughs> voldemort yeah. Um, combine that all together, and then you get a larger fetus version of Voldemort. Well, I kind of like this because this is very, like, old-fashioned idea of, like, a witch's brew sort of a thing. Yeah. You know? It's great. Yeah. I, I like, and I like, I love Ralph Fiennes' as Voldemort here. Yeah, it was really fucking scary, actually, right? Yeah. It's cool. It's, I, like, I like him as it. Yeah. I felt like this actual, this whole sequence was very scary, and the way that he came to being in his body was very scary. And now after four years, four years of these movies of like Voldemort's coming Voldemort's coming now that he's here well they it's don't like really... I mean we just had seven years of Game of Thrones winter's about to be there finally so in the first okay so first four movies yes it's like Voldemort's in the first one his memory or his like kind of thing is in the second one and he's not mm-hmm. talked about it all in the third one and then here he's arrived he basically arrives in his like physical form so it's like it's not like at all they're really talking about like Voldemort's coming they, they're more just like like, don't speak that name. Yeah, no, but you also hear about people talking about, like, that the Dark Lord will return and, like, that, like, Voldemort's still around, clearly. Yeah, like, maybe among, no like, one... the older people, but definitely among the kids, they just don't, because they don't know, really. Right. It's more prevalent in the books. Okay. It's more prevalent in the books that he's sort of this undertone, this wave that's slowly making its way into the story. So, yeah, actual Voldemort's really fucking scary. And then all the Death Eaters show up. We see the parents of Crab, Goyle, Malfoy, a couple other dudes show up. Voldemort's taking them all to task, being like, 
so how come none of you looked for me? How come none of you found me? Like, I was only saved by this sniveling coward. Yeah. And they're like, we were all busy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Malfoy was like, no, like, dude, I didn't know where you were. And quite frankly, like, the only way to keep this whole, like, thing alive was to go into hiding. Yeah. It was like, they would have wiped us all out. It was, it was like... fun to see Lucius sort of in a subservient role. Yes. Yes. Because he still, like, kind of has this intimidating, like, aura about him. But then it was also kind of cool to see him, like, afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was all really cool. Then Harry has to go and open his mouth and remind Voldemort he's there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to which Voldemort, and this makes a lot of sense because Voldemort was killed by Harry. And he's very arrogant because Voldemort is kind of like, I'm the most powerful wizard in the world. So he's like, I'm going to kill you, but I'm not going to kill you defenseless. Like, you're going to get up and duel me. But first, he's like, I'm going to play with my food. So he uses the Cruciatus curse on him, which was really kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, but but it was cool. I mean, it's stupid. Again, villains lose all the time because they're arrogant and they're stupid. H- had he just killed him while he was standing there, it would have been fine. But because he gives Harry his wand, their, their wands, their magic, like, weaves together their wands. Yeah, the streams cross. Yeah. And all of the spirits of the people that Voldemort has killed, like, were released from his wand and they come out and they help, like, protect Harry. They create, like, a magical barrier. Cedric's like, bring my body back to my dad. Um, and then the, uh, the the groundskeeper's there. Yeah. He's like, what the and, fuck am uh, I doing here? <laughs> they all basically <laughs> just go and they, they, they create this sort of magical barrier. So Harry's able to grab the port key and return and boom. Harry's back. Oh yeah, this Everyone's movie celebrating this, movie, this moment right here when they come back and then they start playing that stupid little marching band theme again. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy because everyone's so happy, everyone's celebrating, and Harry's just crying and no one's and you're just watching it like as you see like people in the stands start to realize it, like as Cedric's dad realizes it, as Dumbledore realizes it, but other people are still cheering, so people are starting to scream. It's like that was a very one of the best, most well done moments, I think, in the whole movie. Yeah. Again, highlighted by Robert Pattinson's dead body. It's yeah. Like it would, um, if he didn't sell that, then it would wouldn't you know wouldn't have made sense. But <laughs> so Moody is like Harry, come with me, come with me, and he just like takes off with Harry. Not good. Yeah, he's like, um, I need to finish this movie. <laughs> Chest is still going crazy. He's of course has to start telling Harry his whole plan because what happened? He ran out of Polyjuice potion and he lets it slip he's just like because he's so obsessed with Voldemort he's like he's like how was he how was the dark lord yeah in front of you how was the dark lord um <laughs> that's good uh, that's good that uh, Brendan Gleeson right there thank you and Harry's like I didn't I never said graveyard yeah uh what are you talking about and then Dumbledore Snape Minerva come in thank god last absolute second yeah stop Moody mm-hmm. who then starts to transform into Barty Crouch Jr they look in the magical trunk where the real Moody is just like, I'm down here. <laughs> Which, by the way, now, Azkaban does not seem like it is that hard to escape from, now that we've had two people get out. Yeah, I feel like there's something something uh, mischievous going on here. Yeah. So, yeah, so ultimately what's revealed, and it's like we haven't kept it a secret all the time, but as we know, Barty Crouch Jr. was Mad-Eye Moody the whole time, and uh, they save the actual Mad-Eye, and Barty Crouch gets caught. Yes. Boom. And then... We have a moment where Dumbledore decides to tell the students that Cedric was killed by Voldemort. 
And this is really where I was very happy we had Gambon because he nailed this, and I don't know how the original Dumbledore yeah, could I think this I, scene. I agree with you. I think the Richard Harris would have been a little bit more like, I'm going to say this, and there's really not going to be much behind it. <laughs> yeah, you need someone that, that really feels like he has a lot of heart, and Gambon really feel like, felt like he he was very sad, but also like proud to be able to tell his students this because he felt like his students could handle the truth and deserve to handle the truth so there's something like respectful to his students and to cedric he's like i'm gonna tell you the truth because if i don't it's like really disrespectful to everything that that kid did yeah yeah Um, and i think i think it's good to see him stand up because i feel like a lot of his he's sort of burdened sometimes by bureaucracy and everything else and him trying to all keep it together and it's good to him be like you know what fuck it like i'm just gonna tell the truth here well and what we've seen now so far with the last movie, when we first met Fudge, like, Fudge doesn't want to believe that, like, maybe there's, like, the Dark Lords alive. And he's a bad Same again. Now leader. Fudge is like, uh, we can't, like, actually tell this kind of stuff to people. And knowing, like, Rita Skeeter, like, works with the main major newspaper, like, they're basically the Fox News to, like, Fudge's <laughs> ministry. Um, they're basically, and like, yeah, so... If, if it's like propaganda i mean they don't want they don't want people to know because they they're afraid of the truth and they think that if they just lie like it won't be true yeah that makes sense um john you're gonna lose your mind over the next movie when it comes to this stuff uh the next movie is wild um that being said did you notice the black banners instead of the house banners it was sort of like a hog it was like a hufflepuff h yeah it was, it was all like black. it was it was like a sad like here hufflepuff you get honored but in a sad way <laughs> Yeah, and they were black banners, so I thought that was really cool. Um, and then that's how it ends. Is that what happens when like children die at Hogwarts? They give you like a black banner of your house. Well, I think it's sort of like putting like a flag at half mass, yeah. or like wearing. I, black I just wonder funeral. like how many yeah. of those are that they have to put out every year. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, not that many. This is the first time for that we know of these movies for these movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. That's uh, and, and it's important to note because he's like. He's like, they're going to lie about this. Because it was clear also, even with Barty Crouch Sr., that the ministry, like, Barty Crouch Sr., when he met Harry, when the first uh, Death Eater signed went up, he was like, why did you do this? Because he won't believe that an actual Death Eater is still around and would have done stuff like this. He just thinks it's like kids. Yeah. I think, I, I yeah, I have a feeling that that's what's really, it's like, they're going to be fighting against the bureaucracy of, like, belief in the sense that right people turning a blind eye to the truth because they'd rather hide it under a rug and hope it goes away yeah people want to deny what happened with voldemort in the past right that they're not going to accept the fact that he's and then they start to become the villain yes which is very actually relevant today you know it's like people want to with john you're gonna lose your mind over the next movie it's so good it's so good so uh this is a good movie yeah i think great i think so far i think the most fun to watch of the first four um, and again, yeah, now I think we're basically the halfway point in the, yes, we in are. the sort of original series here. So Yes, we are. So, yeah, excited. All right, John, if we want to keep in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, you can still listen to me uh, with you on the Zeitheist podcast as well as the Wishboning podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JohnnyBeGoodInLA. And I am at Christian underscore Humes. You can find me on the Adside Heist podcast, the hashtag Watchworld podcast, the Wishboning podcast, and Unranked, where everything is at ZeitHeist.com. And as always, we're going to leave you with a quote. And today's quote will be, time will not slow down when something unpleasant lies ahead. (laughs) 